Hi, everyone, and welcome to Damn Parenting, your English-speaking parenting podcast from Amsterdam. And as always, we're your hosts, Maren and Eva. And on this episode, we will hopefully demystify one of the most asked questions in all the pregnancy groups, be it on Facebook or WhatsApp or personal chats, experts arriving here in the Netherlands, and they're hearing the infamous word Ramsorg. Da-da! What is this? <laughs> and before you go down the Google hole, we have prepared a full episode where we will define the word, where does it come from, what is the whole history behind it, but more importantly, of course, what is a Kramsorg, how are they trained, what goes into their training, and what are their actual tasks they have to perform when they come to your home. And in preparation of this episode, of course, Eva and I had a talk about our own experiences and already discovered that we had very different experiences, both of them great, because they were both tailored to our special needs that we had during the cramp period, which is the first eight to 10 days after you give birth. And in the first chats, yeah, Eva, you remember, right? We were like, I was really, this is what I got and this is how it should be. And I understand why everyone is demanding this because I got and now I see it's possible right yeah. and you were like on the other spectrum I was very much on the I got minimal and I got sick too so <laughs> I had a very very yeah. different experience and when I read all these texts and messages about well this is what a Kramsorg is going to do for you and it was like it's this imaginary Oma who's coming in to cook and clean and bake for mm. you and take care of the baby and you're going to sleep and oh my god you're never going to want this Oma to leave I think I even remember people posting pictures of their Kramsorg being like this is the most amazing person ever mm. and I remember thinking I didn't get that. Yeah. And I was really like, I can only imagine there's other people out there who've had kids and, you know, who are feeling like I, I didn't get that either. Like, what did I miss out? And so yeah. that was one of the like the highlights of making sure we get this podcast done correctly. And this specifically, mm. these episodes that we're doing with Verlaskundiches and these Kramsorg, where we want to get to the basics and go, what are we to expect? And who are yeah. you? And what is your journey? Because this thing does not exist anywhere in this world. So please explain to us what to expect from you. But also it's a case of, uh, yeah, not to set these unrealistic expectations from all these stories that people are providing on these social platforms. Yeah. And when we did the interview with Laura, who has over two decades of experience being a Kramsorg and being also in the management of a very big Kramsorg agency. So she really is behind the scenes involved in the planning and also involved in the educational part of Kramsorg whole sector. We really had some, or I at least had some very big enlightenments during this interview. And I hope you will have them too when you're going in this episode, maybe with some already foreign expectations, what to hear, or already some things that you want to hear confirmed. And we know they're all out there in these groups and everyone is like, like we said, like talking all over the place from their experiences. So I hope that when you hear this interview, you will, as I have, a way better understanding of what's actually supposed to happen, why, and maybe change your perception and your expectation of this very, very special period that they're coming to your house. So yeah, we'll stop blabbering around because this interview, we want to give as much time as possible to the interview and we'll hear you after we've heard Laura and enlightening us a little bit more about the Kramsorgs. 
And with that, we're going to say welcome, Laura. Thank you for joining us. So first off, let's get started. And why don't you tell us a bit about your actual professional career in the Kramsorg sector? Well, hi, thanks for having me at first. My name is Laura. I started out in this profession as a registered nurse. I did the schooling at uh, the Millennium 2000. And then after about 10 years, I decided I want to do more for more nurses. So not only for the families. So I did intake conversations, planning, team coaching, uh, team management, all the way up to being the director of a maternity agency. So and here I am now trying to spread the word. Great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, we're so happy to give you this platform because the whole Kramsorg topic is, I think, one of the most questioned topics that we encounter in our exit bubble because it's such a unique system and it's such a unique feature in the Netherlands, which we really want to make sure everyone gets educated about. And so, yeah, we're so, so happy that you took the time to come on and give us a little bit of background about the, yeah, this whole profession. Yes, no problem. I think it's it's very specific to the Netherlands. And even for Dutchies, sometimes it's very, uh, they don't know really what to expect. So I understand if you're not really born into it, other babies are going to be, but you're not as a mom or dad. It's nice to get some more information on what to expect and how to work with it and how to let it work for you. Yeah. Perfect. Do you want to dive with the first question? Otherwise, I already have one that when you were talking about how you got into the profession, you mentioned that you were a nurse before you were trained as a, yep. a nurse. So is this something that is a most or more common way that someone starts with, oh, I want to be a nurse and then they work in this profession and then they kind of say, oh, I, I'd be interested in this uh, whole Kramsorg topic or do people more start directly with, with the Kramsorg profession or can you give us a little bit about a background about this? Yeah, maybe it's good to give you some of the background because in the old days, so when you're talking 1900s, there were lots of women working as in the Dutch, they say, and those were, well, mostly experienced older women who would take care of the mom when she was flat out after giving birth. But it was never, it was always based on tradition and hearsay and what people thought was good for them. And around 1950, there was about 5,000 nurses registered and it also became more of a profession and now there are almost 9,000 nurses working in this profession but only since 2012 there has been a real registration model for maternity nurses because it was never a very protected profession not like a nurse in the hospital for instance so we're very happy with that because it, well, we have to do with moms, dads, babies. So it's some serious job and you have some serious responsibilities. And also the, the study changed. There are different ways to become a maternity nurse. I'm just going to go yeah, it all perfect. flat out of yeah. you. Amazing. You can do like a regular uh, training uh, when you're 16, and you're fresh out of high school and you think, I want to be a nurse. You can be a level three nurse and you can have the specialization for maternity nurse and that's like a three-year study and you can also work with the elder with the handicapped but also you can choose for the specification for maternity nurse some people do it not a lot that's not the main income of of new nurses what happens most is a specific call for maternity nurses and that 15 months and it's working and studying together Mm -hmm. so you have to have a company with enough people to guide you because you go to school you have about 300 hours of theoretical studying 
studying and home studying on the side. So it's only 300 hours in school and the rest you do on the side. And then you have about three to 400 hours of internship where you have one-on-one guidance from an experienced maternity nurse. After that, you have about 300 hours of being partially guided. So that can be every other day or once every week or by phone, by video, depending on how far along you are. And then you have about 300 hours that you work independently, but you have the backup of your colleagues and firm in the company. But you can only do the independent work if you passed all your theoretical exams. And then you also have to do five guided births because, well, we also provide assistance during birth together with the midwife. Mm -hmm. And you have to do five births together with a certified maternity nurse before you can do the on your own as well a long way which is great great to hear yeah, yeah <laughs> it's not it's not just like oh you can read no, a book no. and off yeah. you go and yeah. also in the in the schooling they have basic anatomy for mother and baby basic pathology for related to birth and postnatal so not only about infection but also about mental condition for the mom mm-hmm. and dad recognizing dangerous situations adjusting to difference cultural religious go about feeding of the baby dealing with acute situations you know providing first aid resuscitation extreme blood loss caring after women have medical interventions like a cesarean and they have to make professional registration in a medical file and communicate not only with the parents but also with other healthcare workers so it's quite a lot that we ask from yeah. them yeah yeah it- And it's also now that you're saying this, they're in such a like sweet, but also difficult part because they're all, Namsok's also, I guess, a little bit translating. So because they're getting the feedback from the parents who are, I guess, mostly not medically educated. And then they have to give it to someone who is medically trained with the correct terminology also. So they're really like this whole like link between, yeah, the medical world, I'd say, and then the, the the normal world and yeah it's yeah, so really like you have to also then how you communicate right like yeah. your, change your oh, we, we always yeah. call say maternity nurses are like chameleons yeah they have yeah. to change yeah. color and change how they look and how they go about uh, depending on not only who they're talking to professionally or mm. work related but also every family is different mm-hmm. and and not only in how their home situation is but also where do they come from uh, what are they used to from their background for their own family and you have to take all of that in and then see where you can bring them further along because there are also some traditions that are very normal but sometimes not really healthy or not really safe and you have to be Mm -hmm. very careful on how to go about Because you don't want to insult them because it's their tradition, something they take from where they come from. And you're telling them, well, actually, these are the alternatives. So maybe that's something you could go about. This sounds like, yeah, very, just when you were talking about 300 hours, 300 hours, I calculated 1200 hours there. And then there's also five births, which could be anywhere from five hours to probably 50 or 100 hours if you're you know if you're with someone going through a long phase and then yeah so you we we talked about different kind of topics that you're covering so we are talking about anatomy and pathology mental health and a couple of others so at the end of this what is the qualification then that they hold they have a level three and they call it 
yeah, they say verzorg on the IG and that's uh, like a carer IG with the specification for maternity nurse. So it's a level three and to give you the resemblance in a home care with, especially with the elder, you have like a helper. She's level one. They can only do housework. Then you have a level two and they can also give some support with putting on stockings or providing food or which needs more interaction with people. And then the level three kicks in like the medical aspect. And then further along, you have the level four. And those are the nurses, for instance, who work in the hospital and they have like restricted actions they can do, like blood withdrawal, putting in an IV. And that's really the things that you see in the hospital with ill people. Because we say as a maternity nurse, we usually don't see sick people. You know, you, yeah. you can have some complaints and things that are not very, but not really, really ill that you have to be in the hospital. And that's the level four. And then further along up level five is like the midwife. And then level six is the gynecologist. And that's like the staircase on how also the responsibilities around well-being are built up because we have midwife is fully responsible for the well-being of everybody. And we just do the signaling, the checkup, and we can let her know just as the nurses in the hospital let the gynecologist know. They do the checkups, they do all the daily work. And if they think something is off, they inform the doctor. Wow, that was a three, four, five, six, and seven. Okay, that's quite a um, a clear guideline, basically. Yeah, yeah. So for you know, responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also for responsibilities. Yeah. Is there somewhere that we should be like we can go to check these qualifications? Like, is this something, or is it just a case of like these are standards, and to be working in an agency, you have to have these already? You know, is there? I'm just wondering if there's something that we're meant to do actively on our side as well. Well, you shouldn't have to mm -hmm. because there is like a knowledge center for Kramsor. They call it KCKZ. And every nurse who gets her diploma needs to register there. And the health insurance says every nurse that you get to work needs to be registered in this center. But someone also has to check it. And they do every now and then, but not everybody is checked all the time. So I think the most important thing is that all the nurses that work with agencies are registered because agencies, I think, are checked most often. And then you also have like the solo working nurses. You can ask them how long they have had their diploma or their registration, because that's actually a good point. Because if you're, well, in the old days, when you became like a solo practitioner, you would be very experienced. So you would have some years of working experience, maybe 10, 15, 20, and you feel like you want to do more, more one-on-one -on -one contact with patients. Also get the more, maybe the more need with complications, uh, twins, uh, that type of thing. And that was okay. Nowadays, we also see a lot of girls, but also women who get their diploma. And then next day they start as a solo professional. So a maternity nurse working for herself is not always linked to lots and lots of experience, what you would expect with someone working as a solo uh, practitioner. And also age isn't really a thing. I started as a nurse when I, well, a week before I turned 19. So I was very young, didn't have any children myself, but I still had to be there for parents. And one of my classmates was, uh, I think, 43. And she was the oldest, I was the youngest. And she retired last year. And we've been colleagues ever since. But we had the same experience, even though we were, well, fairly 20 years apart. So also age is just a number in this profession. Mm -hmm. You can't really tell experience 
by your nurse's age. That's a great point. They both bring good points to the table. I always say, you know, the young ones, they're not boiled, putting this in quotations, by their experience. They go in with a fresh slate, with a fresh mind, with a fresh... Because they haven't seen everything. So they're like always curious. That's how I like to perceive them. Mm -hmm. And when you are bringing lots of experience, of course, this is like golden. But at the same time, it also always bears the risk of the pattern. And the young ones, they don't have a pattern. So no. No, not, oh, not yet. yet no. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's but it's 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 good to to keep in mind that young no. doesn't always say not a pattern because exactly. yeah, who do you qualify as young? 20, 30, 40? Yeah, yeah it, it's true. Maybe also depends a little bit on your own age when you're giving birth, but yeah, yeah. that's a big difference. Yeah, it's really nice to see that both of them have their their valid. Yeah. It doesn't matter, and then you really have to see the person and you see if you click with them or not. But it's really nice that the opportunity is there for both sides of the spectrums be in this field definitely yeah so since you spoke about doing it 20 years now i'm just wondering you spoke about how there was the changes and the registrations and associations created in the last 10 15 years but are there any actual innovations or changes that have happened in those 20 years since you graduated definitely yeah yeah a lot well i think the biggest one is that before 2007 maternity care was based on how well you got insured to your health care so if you had like a high strap package you would get a lot of hours and if you only had the basic health care you would get the minimum of three hours three hours was always the minimum and then they said that's actually quite strange because we say it's like a basic need but then we're going to say if you don't have a lot of money to have a big health insurance then you're not getting the care that you probably need and if you have big health care insurance whether you need it or not you have a right to get a lot of hours. So that created not very nice situations for parents. And then in 2007, the maternity care industry, they put up an indication protocol where they said, okay, we're going to look at the situation of the family, but also the medical condition of the mother and the baby. And based on that, we're going to make, you can say like a point system where you can check the boxes, what suits your family. And then we do the indication during the intake conversation. So that's at the end of the pregnancy to see how you're doing. And then we check, is this your first baby? Do you plan on breastfeeding? How's your mental condition? Do you have any help around the house? That type of things. And we do the indication again when you give birth, because we can have all these great ideas. But if you have like a terrible birth with a lot of blood loss and a medical intervention, you're in a worse situation than you maybe thought you would be. Or everything just goes very smoothly and you're straight away home and your husband's home, your family's over and everybody's here to help. So we can have more of a a fit plan for every family. And that has been on since 2007, but they're changing it now now and it has been in and out of media because they're doing like a pilot now that they're re-evaluating the indication system because what they find out is there's like a basic that they say okay everybody who's having a baby needs a certain amount of medical care information and and help around but actually for a first-time parents learning about how to take care of your baby is all new the second time parents you maybe need a little bit of freshing up but it's not all new. So do you really need the same care as a newborn parent 
or if you're a second parent. So they're making slight changes in these conditions as well, because also it's something that's from commonwealth, you know, mm. what's maternity care. And we want to keep it like a common thing for everybody. So no one gets to be left out. And if someone is making pans of soup, cleaning windows and that type of things, yeah, then in a few years, they're going to say, well, that's not really what we need to spend our funds for. So we also have to keep in mind that what's really the essence of maternity care and that's providing good support for parents and their newborn. So this is a perfect time to then to ask the big question, because in our international community on Facebook, on WhatsApp group, this is always, I find a very, yeah, it can make people jealous. It can make people resentful. It can make people feel much better about themselves because people are telling I had this person and they were like my perfect Oma and they were cooking and baking and hoovering and cleaning and took baby and I slept and we were there with us for seven or eight days. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. And then there's for example myself personally I gave birth in a very very busy period and I was forewarned this when we were signing up to the agency and we were forewarned you know this is a very busy period and so you are most likely having to share your crams org with another family and so you're looking at three hours and my crams org came in and basically did health checks took the care of the child and that was it I'm sorry clean the toilet and something else or whatever there was specific things we were told this is what they have to do so can you please once and for all give us the actual clarifications on what it is a Kramzorg has to do, the bare, bare, bare basic essentials. Yeah. Okay. You're correct. That's always the big deal, like the million dollar question. And also what's difficult is that babies aren't planned. We can't schedule. We can schedule all our mothers three weeks in advance, two weeks later. So there's like a six week window that anything can happen all the time. So that's what we do, what we're used to do. So what the the indication protocol claims is that to make sure that you can do your basic checkups, also keep an eye on well-being, give instructions, support with breastfeeding at least once a day, and reduce the risk of infection because that's what the toilet cleaning and uh, the bathroom is about. It's all about reducing a chance of infection. They say it's three hours a day. That's the minimum. Sometimes two hours is enough. Sometimes three hours is not enough. So about three hours is what you're obliged to to have. And then depending on the indication, I think the standard indication is mostly between 49 hours. So that's like five to six hours a day. But if we look at the data around Amsterdam, I mean, in Amsterdam, 6% of all babies in the Netherlands are born in Amsterdam. So that's around 10,000 babies 10 to 11,000 babies each year that are born in the capital. I think about maybe 10%, maybe 15% isn't Dutch from Mm -hmm. origin. So that's also quite a lot. I think the average is about 32 hours that people receive of maternity care because if they give birth in the hospital, mostly the first day they're going to be there. So then that day is reduced from maternity care from the eight days. So then you have like seven days left. If you have like five hours a day, that's 35 hours. But also now in the old days, when maternity nurses started, the men was at work and the women was at, were at home and they did everything. They took care of the kids, they did the house, they 
the cleaning, the cooking. But now with feminism and women becoming more independent, equal rights and everything, the women aren't always the one keeping the house and everything together. So it's also not very common for a maternity nurse to step in and to take over everything when that wasn't what the been all the, otherwise we're going all the way back into all our rights and quality that we have reached now as women. If we're going to say, well, I'm a flat out on my bed, someone has to kick in. No, I mean, fathers also now have parental leave a few weeks and also they need to be involved in raising their child from day one and not thinking, oh, the maternity nurse is here. I'll be back after a week and see what goes on. You, you want to have them around and see what it does to a woman who just gives birth with the hormones, with everything, and also connecting with the baby and forming a family. I mean, you have been friends, a husband and wife, wife and wife, husband and husband, whatever you feel comfortable identifying with. And all of a sudden you have a new role as parents and you have mm -hmm. to get to know each other again in the form of being a parent because there you also have maybe differences or that type of things. So well, you have to do it together. It's teamwork. Yeah. So the Kramsdorf is kind of like a, the team coach. Also. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and yeah. I think also that parents are sometimes so insecure about if they can do it themselves. And mm. we should reinforce them more that even if we're going to be there eight hours a day, you can do it yourself for 16 hours and the baby won't die and you won't die. And nobody's going to think you're a bad parent. You're just taking care of your child. So mm. if it's It's, it's the quantity of hours. If we give the suggestion that if you have six hours or eight hours, that's going to be good care. I think that's not fair. Not fair to nurses and also not fair to parents. Yeah, we've talked about this before the interview, this whole concept of this learned helplessness, right? Yeah. So we don't think that we can do it. Oh, God, the nurse is here. Okay, 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 okay. I don't need to think of it. She will show me. She will show me. But then we unlearn to listen to our instincts and yeah. everyone is raving about the mother instinct the or the parent instinct or whatever. And then it, all of a sudden we don't remember this. Like, oh, but I do have, at least I can speak for myself. I did have an instinct. Okay, how should I hold the baby or how do I bathe it or like I needed just some safety adjustments where it's like okay this is safe this is a safe process but then I felt confident I really can say that my Kramsok really always encouraged me to be confident she says you can do it and I'm here yeah. to watch you and if I see anything that's not optimal I'll step in but you try it first and then I can see where the level is right And it's also, it's, it's quite common. I mean, nowadays, the age we're living in with all the internet and all the online advice and parental groups and WhatsApp groups and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I don't know, wherever you can find your information, there's always someone who learned differently or mm -hmm. someone who was told differently. So we know a lot, but by that, we know nothing. So we have mm -hmm. to get back to like this basic sense. And for some people, that's difficult because we have the people who have like golden hands. You know, if their eyes can see it, their hands can make it. But we have also people who are very much in their brain and in their mind. And know that those are the scientists and the researchers. And if you tell them, you know, go with your feeling, they're like, where do I find it? What book? What page? Where do I find it? So we have to be respectful of of parents yes. learning from their brain. They, we have to give them clear instructions, but also give them the confirmation that I've given you the instructions. Now you're going to do it and you're going to be great at it. Yeah. 
and on. And for the people who are not really well necessarily working with their brain, we have to let them do it because they will feel their way around and they will see if their baby is looking uncomfortable, that they have to do it slightly differently. And I think one of the biggest examples I always had when I was a nurse was parents always find bathing very, very scary. So I used to say, okay, what's the worst that can happen if you put your baby in the bath? Yeah, well, maybe he will drown. And then, how would that happen? Well, if he slides off my hand, yeah, you're going to leave him there? No, 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 I'm going to pick it up. Go, okay, so he slides off your hand, you pick him up. Then is he going to drown? No, 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 no. And just by also talking about those fears, maybe irrelevant fears, they can see that it's nothing to be scared of. And it's good to be aware and to be on the lookout, but you shouldn't make it more difficult than necessary. Previously, I had spoken to Laura and we were having a chat about what we were going to talk about here today. And one thing she said, I was typing away my computer as she was talking because she was a real source of information. But she actually used, it was a kind of a phrase, excuse me if I got this wrong, but I was typing away with one hand. It said a good quality of a Kramsorg is so that they're able to leave you. So that the whole thing is they're giving you the knowledge, the confidence. They were sharing that on you so that they're able to walk out that door and you're going to be like, I got this. Yeah, we, we have a strange profession. It, we are meant to be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. actually (laughs) yeah in the long run that's it i mean we have it's our job in those in this week to give you the confidence that you actually don't need us anymore and that's a good sign because that's what we want to hear from our clients it was really nice to have you you gave us lots of information we now know how to make good choices believe in ourselves and we have the confidence we can do it on our own we don't need you anymore we're ready for the next step i was not like that (laughs) <laughs> that's my truth. Yeah, yeah. Now, and and sometimes it's difficult. And that's why they're also looking into now it's very tight. You know, you have like eight days after birth, 10 at most. They're now looking into, can we make it lar- a larger period for six weeks? Because we know that between the second and the fourth week after birth, most women stop breastfeeding. And we think it has to do because it's, you know, breastfeeding is a very difficult thing. It's very natural, but also is walking. And we as human, we don't get born walking. We have to learn by falling down and getting up and having some bruises and some cry and getting up. And eventually we know, and then we can do it for all of our lives. But also with the breastfeeding, if you have the guidance and you have the support and someone cheering for you or giving you help on where to find extra assistance, then it's easy to keep trying. But after eight days, mostly the assistance fades away. And then if you're not sure on how to reach out to an lactation consultant or maybe within your family, you're not really on the same page on if you should continue or not, you feel peer pressure. Yeah, well, if you could have someone like a maternity nurse then to maybe guide you once a week. Now you're on the right page. Let's weigh the baby, see if we can make some small adjustments that would maybe become a good thing. So they're looking into that right now. So not that we're staying at your house for six weeks. Oh, but damn. in the period of six, six weeks, <laughs> every now and then that we can come along and that can be like a life visit, but maybe also just a phone call or a video conversation like, hey, how are you doing? Are you getting along? How are you sleeping? Is everything working out for you? Just to get a little bit extra support because some women are fine after six or seven days, but they mm-hmm. would benefit then like a few checkups in which they can try and then evaluate and then try some more and then 
Yeah, especially also because some topics you don't even realize in this whole first, she's so busy with everything. And then one storm calms down, then some topics might pop up or you may have had a question and you thought, oh, this is stupid or I, I shouldn't ask this. But then maybe after a couple of weeks, you have the confidence and then you can pick this up. So I think this would be great. And like you said, it's not someone staying in here or monitoring you or anything. It's just this checkup and this quick check in. Hey, is everything OK? And if everything's OK, then great. But but yeah. it's, uh, I think that's, and like you said, this period is so crucial. This is when the, the stuff comes up then. And then I think that would be great if someone is there to, yeah, that you can address it to. Yeah, I think so. And that's the thing that we should all be on the lookout for, you know, how can we make it benefits as good as possible for newborn parents? And it's very easy to say that's bad and that's good. But it's mm -hmm. always from your perspective as an individual. There's not really one standard you can put out on all families because so many differences in giving birth, in the house situations, financial situations, how you're located, family, anything. So just to circle back. So we were talking there about the lactation and, you know, this amazing six to eight week period. Like, I mean, if that came through, I think that would be a massive benefit to many of us out there. When you train to become the Kramsorg, I remember reading about some people who were like, well, my Kramsorg is a lactation consultant. And whereas mine had to hire in a lactation consultant to come in. So I was just wondering what specialities of extra training can Kramsorgs actually go under to actually, you know, what are the added benefits or added courses that they're going to do that are out there? Yeah. Well, I think it's also good to know that if the maternity nurse is registered after they get their initial diploma, they have to re-register every four years. And in these four years, they have to do a certain amount. They have to do like 40 hours of study. So 10 hours each year to keep registered as a maternity nurse. And there are a few things that are mandatory. That's like first aid, acute situations, resuscitations, and also supporting of feeding, breastfeeding. So during the study, they all get the basic for breastfeeding and also mostly some extras. But when a nurse is finally qualified, she can also cherry pick what suits her. Some nurses specialize in breastfeeding, some specialize mental well-being, some specialize giving massages, although that's not very medical, but I think that's another subject. But yeah, there's different things that you can specialize in. There are also some maternity nurses working in the hospitals on the maternity wards, and they have to do some extra. They're almost like a nurse. Not really, but they can do some extra things. They can take your blood pressure. They take out the IV. They can change your catheter. So there are a few things that they can do that regular maternity nurses can't. And in the old days, as a maternity nurse, you could also do the training for a lactation consultant. But now they have changed the qualifications. So now you have to be at least a level four nurse before you can do the lactation education. And they've made like a new education for like then you're a breastfeeding coach. So that's what you can do as a maternity nurse. And yeah, some think that's interesting, some things that's nice to do. But I think it's a good thing to make the difference that not all women need lactation consultants. You know, lactation consultants are really specialists when it comes to breastfeeding. And in a regular, normal situation, every maternity nurse should be able to give you the best of care surrounding breastfeeding. And only if there are things going on 
that's really specific, well, not always medical, but really specific topic, then you should get a lactation consultant in. So, and it's also where, you know, with a maid, you said it very nicely about creating, not creating independence, but uh, having women think they can't do it on themselves. Yeah, is, learned helplessness. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Great term. Sad that it's that mm, it's available, mm. but I think that's also the thing with a lactation consultant. I mean, it's nice to have someone there for you, but you shouldn't feel less confident if your nurse isn't a lactation consultant because that's not basically what you need on the forehand. Health insurance actually will transfer hours from Kramsorg to a lactation consultant as well. Like that is something I know, like for me, they were saying we transferred certain Kramsorg hours into a lactation hiring and the yeah. Kramsorg actually arranges that. Yeah, because we, you know, we're in, it, it happens with a lot of agencies who do that because they say breastfeeding support. And if we do the breastfeeding support by the nurse or the lactation consultant, that's not really a question, but that works. And otherwise you would have to look into your health insurance to see if you have coverage for a lactation consultant because lots of healthcare insurances do have. And uh, one of my colleagues does say it's a little bit like walking the marathon. If I go out now and go walk the marathon, that I'm not going to be fine. So I have to train and prepare myself. And maybe if I think I'm going to have injuries, visit a physical therapist or something. And the same thing is with breastfeeding, you know, get some information, know what you're going to be about. And if you're having injuries, then you visit or expecting to have injuries, then visit the lactation consultants. I think there's so much with this. I mean, we're going very deep into the breastfeeding now, but it coming back to this whole perception. If or well, I went into the whole breastfeeding, oh, I'm going to have issues. It's going to be hard. It's going to be this big, big thing. And then it turned out I had zero complications. I had a sore nipple once from the first night that I did the first latch on myself. That was it. And from then I had nothing. And, Meanwhile, but I had, I'm the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You were yeah. like on the very opposite scale, but this mindset of, oh, it's going to be hard. It's I can't do this. It's going to be this big thing. And then on top, if you then have someone who's like, oh yeah, they can teach you. Then you again, give this whole confidence. Like oh, they, they can teach me. They, they will show me this. They will do it instead of it's going to be fine. I'll try it. And if I encounter anything, then I can reach out. Yeah. yeah. And also talk about what you're willing to do mm -hmm. and where mm -hmm. do you feel comfortable exactly. uh, with yeah doing what and and that's mainly one of the roles for for a maternity nurse is seeing and checking in with you is this still okay for you are you still yeah. comfortable yeah. on the path that we're going to walk and also feel comfortable you can say yes one night and say no the next morning that's no problem i mean it's it's your situation your life we're just there for a few hours trying to to give you the advice that you need to make decisions yourself yeah and this is so nice to hear from you that you also have this mindset of does this work for you like you've said this before in the interview like always see the individual situation and not come in and this is how it's going to be and you will adjust to it and we will try to fit you in this box but really does it work for you and if not we'll see how we can adjust it yeah yeah yeah, I'm just thinking there about certain WhatsApp chats that have been happening in the last week. And it's I do feel like these opinion pieces where people are like, well, I had this and I had this has created a lot of emotion. So I'm really hoping this episode is really going to allow certain people to be like, ah, 
okay, they're not going to be my cleaner slash slash chef slash baker slash dog walker slash, you know, I mean, you're not hiring them. This is covered by your insurance, you know, and this is basically to keep people out of the hospital because, you know, it's not a medical requirement. You are at home, you're in your better place, like 99.9% of the time, I'm sure. So, I mean, it is, I hope this is going to hopefully settle some thoughts for some people. But yeah, I, you know, personally, I did feel like, oh, you know, I didn't get, you know, I, I ended up nearly hospitalized with mastitis. You know, I had the doctors and crams orgs and for Las Kuntas and everything coming into my room mm-hmm. during the middle of COVID when I specifically was like, I don't want anyone like just one crams org. Like, please don't come here. Meanwhile, surrounded with like four women going, you need to go to hospital. And I was like, no. Yeah, I think that's also something to be realistic about. Complications sometimes happen. Mm-hmm. But if you have to, if you want to get it all out of the way, it's not going to happen. I mean, if you don't want to be in a car accident, you're going to stay home all day. You know, and I think so that's also with this, you know, sometimes complications happen, even though you had the best of care, all the hours, you know, everything was on point, still you have a complication because we're not working with a computer, even though there are lots of complications there as well. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a natural thing. It's a body with with mechanisms and organisms and everything's working and also with babies so complications happen but the way we can go about and how we if we can see it happening then we can react i mean we're not in a situation like in africa where women die during childbirth all the time or after childbirth because of unnoticed infections or untreated infections we're not in that situation we have a very safe healthcare system but it doesn't mean that everybody is healthy and stays healthy healthy yeah but maybe that's from different topic if you're talking about less care lots of care that also has to do with the responsibility for care that all the healthcare workers have which is a little bit troubled with the old movement of working for a boss and working as a solo practitioner I guess it's also just this episode is like we've put the facts on a table, but also now if people want more, they can just address it in the in you because you have an intake. That's exactly what you have the intake for. And you can say, hey, would you be able to do this, this and this? And then you can check. And if they don't provide what you looking for then i mean there is like you said thousands of maternity nurses i guess that's the nice thing but then equally if someone says you know what my mom is here or my parents are here and i really just need this and this and this then that thing this is all that we're providing here is education and then you can go educated into a conversation and address um, and know what questions to ask yeah and i think what's also good to know is because we get that question quite a lot because i don't know the other parts of the Netherlands, but especially here in Amsterdam, if you have to go like find daycare, you have to register with like five or six agencies and then pray that you have daycare once the baby is born. With a maternity care, that's different. If you registered with one agency, then you're done. Then you're settled. You don't have to register at three or four places and hope you have maternity care. Mm -hmm. One is enough. And then also, if you want to see where you would be best off, then it's good to keep in mind, well, maybe like three questions that you can ask your nurse, because I don't want to go too much into can you do this or can you do that, mm-hmm. but just the mm-hmm. basic requirements that you can expect. And it's do you provide assistance during birth at any time? any place because not Mm -hmm. only at home but also in the hospital you have to bring your own nurse and if you're not able to who's going to be your backup what's their telephone number how do I contact them because it's mandatory for every nurse whether you're a solo practitioner or in an agency you have to provide assistance for birth 24 hours a day 
So that's the number one question you should ask. You can ask, how long are you certified? When did you receive your diploma? Because there are a lot of people around who are well not very experienced. And in a company, you have a variety of experienced, non-experienced women. And also, if it doesn't work out with one, you can just say, well, it's not really working out. Can we switch? And then you can get another nurse. That's no problem. And well, this is a bit of a social question, but could ask company or the nurse that you're going after is, do you spread care equally on parents in need? So what you hear in the app forms is, oh, my nurse stayed around for eight hours and oh, I only got three hours of care. And that's always a difficult question because if you're in a situation of receiving eight, you're going to be like, ah. I'm comfortable, I'm fine. Yeah. But as all women together, should we think that's fine? Or should we think, well, maybe the mother on the other side of the street who's getting three hours should get a little bit more and I can mm. do with a little bit less. Mm. But yeah. we have to do yeah. some mirror work then. That was the other question I had. I recall that when we start, so on the first day that they come in, it's meant to be, it's meant to be, should I say, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, eight hours. And then the second day would be seven and the third day would be six. And the, that's the way I was introduced to it as we'll come in and we'll see how you're doing. And this is the intention. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea was, again, the whole blessing of, you know, the whole idea of the crams org is you're not meant to need them at the end of the week. So that's why they were saying, look, we could start with eight hours, but the whole idea is we're going down to three hours by the end of the week. Yeah. Is that a standard? There's a lot of variety in different agencies on how they work and with also with solo practitioners on how they work. But it logical that you would say the first few days you would need a little bit more guidance and a little bit more information than the last two or three days so that there's going to be like a slide in hours that would be normal on the other hand what you can also look into is you know in all professions you have like the weekly working hours and then you have in the weekends and in the nights, that's like when it's necessary. So, and it's also what we see with families a lot. You know, in the weekends, they say, oh, I'm having my family over. We're all at home. Children are not going to school or daycare. So we want some family time. So we rather not have you come along all day. So that's also a variety. And that's why it's so difficult to say this is a good way. You know, because there are mm -hmm. so many ways that you can fill in and balance those hours because sometimes women feel they're doing fine right after birth and then uh, breastfeeding kicks in and they have like these big painful boobs and they're like, oh, I can't sleep at night. Can you please stay here and let me rest? And then all of a sudden on day four or five, you would need some extra hours. And that's always challenging for the planners who need to make sure everybody gets the care that they need. But yeah, that's the business we're in. So I just want to then touch back on a previous thing where we we're talking about the agencies versus solo. You had actually mentioned about, you know, some solo people can come straight out of education. They could also be equally working 10, 15, 20 years professionally. So when you're actually looking at this, for example, for an agency, how do you plan who you're sending out? Is it a case of you take no. into consideration like a cultural or a language or, you know, is there something like that that you plan? Yeah. Most agencies know what type of nurses they have around. So they know all the specifics, like how are they trained? What do they feel comfortable? What are specializations? What languages do they speak? But also do they have allergies? I mean, some nurses are allergic pets and lots of families have cats. So we won't be able to put them together. Some people are scared of dogs, you know, all these type of things. So what we do is, yeah, we actually wait until the baby is actually born. Then we can make a calculation on what would they need. And then we have a look into which nurse is the best fit. And normally with agency, it's normal to have two nurses because, well, we already talked about maternity care staying around 
around for like eight to 10 days. So if you were to have one nurse, that would mean that she's eight days out of her home working without a spare day. And well, I believe that's not really uh, normal for this time age that we're living in. I wouldn't do it anymore. So I don't think if we want to keep healthcare workers around and we're already very short, that we shouldn't expect them to work eight or 10 days straight in in a row. I mean, you can't get daycare. You can't get after school hours. Yeah, five days a week, but who can afford it on a wage for maternity care? And also if you have two nurses, then you can take different bits from each of them. And sometimes they say, well, but then what if clicks with one? And then I don't know how it's going to be with the others, but they're like chameleons. They're going to make it work. And in very, very, very specific situation, it doesn't work. But then you can always pick a phone and switch. And then we ask, why didn't it work? Did you have different expectations? Was it a, a social thing? Whatever. And we can send a different nurse and see if that worked better. I think that's a great note for many people out there to know that they have that power, that they have that uh, opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Don't even question yourself. If you just don't feel it, just ring them up. Yeah. And I think it's just with colleagues. I mean, nine out of 10, you'll be fine. But every now and then you'll have someone and you're like, no, thanks. And sometimes you can make it work, but in some situations you really can't. I think it's at the end of the day, even if you don't click with someone, all the maternity nurses have the mindset. And I'm saying this because I think that what I believe, I hope that's the truth. They're here to help you. I think this is the guidance. And then this needs to be the baseline, even if you say, oh, like, I really can't stand her. Like, she she reminds me of whatever. You can always come back to, she's here to make sure I'm healthy and my baby is healthy. And that's what I can accept from anyone, basically. You yeah. know, and that's yeah. like what I can then click with. That's If that's the bare minimum I can click with, then that's good enough for me. I think also when you're in a hospital, you have like three different shifts, you know, day, night, day, evening, night. And then maybe the next day, an entire new crew coming around, going by your bed. And everybody's fine because they all have the same purpose, taking care of you, making sure you're fine. And all of a sudden when, okay, it's in our house. So that's very, feels very private and very vulnerable. But these are trained nurses. Yeah, exactly. So it's not someone you pull out of the shop on the corner of the street and say, come into my house and see how we get along. (laughs) Exactly. Like you said, they have hundreds of hours and hours and hours of training. So we all know that they're bringing to the table. Plus then they're here to ensure the health and safety. So yeah, that's what I wanted to add to that. I did have one odd question. I think I'm putting this to everyone. Do you know of a male Kramsorg? Well, not recently, but when I was educated to be a nurse, there were two classes going simultaneously. And in the other class, there was a guy becoming a nurse. Yeah, becoming a maternity nurse. But I do know he did have some difficulty getting along and also sometimes being rejected by families because they didn't feel comfortable having a man around as a maternity nurse, which is also somewhat strange because in the hospital, it's very common that there's a man being your gynecologist being your mid-man. I don't know if I should call him a midwife, but there's one in Amsterdam as well. In the north, he is also a man very good. Women love him because he's so good in the job he does. And well, maybe with all the gender discussion, this is something that's going to be faded out in a few decades as well. I, I don't know. But no, I don't know any male maternity nurses recently being active. Yeah, it's just, it's always intriguing because it is such a gendered 
specific career as it were so yeah. i just yeah, yeah i thought it'd be interesting to see if amsterdam had if it was not as diversifying. far as i'm aware of yeah 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 there are lots of gynecologists yeah. around men that's no problem midwives mm. i only know one in amsterdam i think there are more in the netherlands but yeah maternity nurses i'm not sure of i was going to ask you three questions to ask a kramsler but you actually already answered that one earlier <laughs> so <laughs> very see this is how a kramsler works they're a chameleon they come in and answer all the questions before i've even asked them now but also i think it's also you sometimes don't know what you need to know you don't know what you don't know and i think also being a foreigner it's very common to have medical assistance all the time so if something's wrong with your child you want to go to the pediatric but here that's not very common to go straight away to a pediatric first you go to your gp and then if necessary they can transfer you along so if someone here calls and says i need a gp for my child then we don't want to give them a phone number for a gp you say well what's going on what's the situation and then we can know, are they asking now the right question or do we need to transfer them someone else? So it's also, you have to listen between the lines. It's not yeah. only about reading between the lines, but also listening between the mm -hmm. lines. And that's also something a maternity nurse should do Very until cool. women finally learn to speak up totally. <laughs> we have to, we have to listen between the lines. Very true. I think you've given a grace in depth. All corners have had a light shine on it here on the actual topic of Kramsorg. So we're hoping every listener is able to take away something, feel more confident, more empowered, knowing that there are certain things that they can do. If they're not happy, they can ring up certain questions that they can ask, how the system works, who these people are actually going to be coming into their home, how trained they are and whatnot. So Laura, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being part of this and for shining a light on all this for a lot of us and for like I learned still new things here today even though I had my crams work three years ago yeah. so thank you again greatly appreciate your contribution and hopefully this will really make an impact to some families out there I hope so I hope so it was a lot of fun being on it was my first so I hope more to follow because I think there's a lot of information we could share to all different types of parents and well I hope they get some new information and what you said feel more confident and reassured that they're not letting complete strangers into their house but some really qualified uh, good people yeah. and i think yeah. all of the world should be in envy of the system that we have here in the netherlands definitely <laughs> definitely. definitely yeah well, that was a highly educational episode there with Laura, who could have gone on. And I mean, we were trying to keep these episodes as realistic as possible when it comes to timings. Um, and Laura herself said, maybe there's a few more ways we can discuss Kramsorg and different topics in the future, because it's a very unknown profession for many of us. And, you know, we should be highlighting these enlightened areas that we need to figure out to explain more to those of us who are about to give birth and who need to know what to expect. Yeah. And especially also because this topic is loaded, like I said in the intro, loaded with so many different opinions and so many different experiences because we're all individual and every birth experience and postpartum experience is so individual and different that we can only get these markers like she said this is the minimum that you will get full stop like period but then Everything on top or everything extra is an assessment of your individual situation. And when she said that, it really like my brain was like, oh, my God, OK, now now I can see this whole topic differently. 
And that's also when I went back into the little booklet that you get when you give birth and the Kramsoch is documenting all the days that she was there and what happened on that day and writing stuff down. And I was going back and I saw that she wrote down, you're not eating enough, you're not drinking enough. So that's why she cooked for me. It wasn't because she was so nice and she had extra time and she thought, oh, this is so nice, but I was not eating. And my husband is completely incapable of cooking anything other than scrambled eggs. And she said, you can have scrambled eggs for breakfast, but then you need something more because you need to produce milk and we need to get your calories in. That's why she cooked. And everything made so much more sense to me. All the, I'm putting this in quotation, extra stuff I got in comparison to Eva because I needed it because she was looking at me and she said, you need those extra things, but I wasn't seeing them. And that was really also what Laura said. If your Kramsoch is there for eight hours, then that is an alarm signal and not something someone else should be jealous of. Everything you're getting is because the Kramsoch sees this is what you need. And everything you're not getting in quotations is because she doesn't see the need for it. Yeah. And if you still feel like you should be getting this, then talk to them, tell them or ask them, oh, why or could we arrange that this and this happens? Or I have a question about that. Or should I be doing this? Diff like, ask them, talk with them. They're not robots. <laughs> Go to them and tell them. Then it opens up the conversation. When you explained about how you were having someone cooking for you, I mean, my I did not have that. But I was on the other end where I ended up having an extra few days of the crams work, which is an extra two or three days. But it was only because it was either that or I was in hospital. And, you know, neither of them are actually anything to wish for. You know, I wanted yeah. some time yeah. with my my child, you know, newborn. I wanted to be in a very loving, cozy, gezellig, as the Dutch say, you know, period with my child. But um, yeah. So every, everyone has a very, very unique experience. And it's also down to yeah. if they're an agency or if they're an individual, like practice as well. So we really hope someone has really, we hope this has actually highlighted those of you who are going to have a crams org. Maybe you're preparing for questions that you might want or to figure out what to expect. And equally, for those of you who've maybe even given birth and have had a crams org, maybe this actually might give you a peace of mind and yeah, some peace within that maybe you felt yeah. having read other people's stories that you're kind of going, actually, you know what, then I did a good job and, you know, I made it and I got what I was meant to get. Yeah. And really like the realization of, wow, it's really 100% tailored service to what you need. And I, like I said, I just had this realization the second she said this, and then I went into my Kram book and I read all this stuff and I was like, oh, okay, that that's why. So yeah always reflect on what was the situation for me. And then you might understand why there were certain things or they were not. And equally, for those who have shared their stories about having these amazing people in their lives of crams orgs, or those who felt cheated out of it. Yeah, just to give you a bit of perspective, to kind of take it with a pinch of salt, and to maybe then understand maybe these people were really needing it. And for those who felt cheated out of the system, maybe they're actually the lucky ones out of this. Exactly. And with this, we hope this was a interesting episode for you as well as it was for us. And if you like this episode, then please make sure that you like, give us some stars on Spotify, share this episode with anyone that you might think this is a good resource for them. And hopefully we were able to shed a light on this topic. This was the opener for the upcoming series that will be running with different crime source all over the city 
where they will have a short minute to introduce themselves and maybe also highlight their specialties because there are some Kramsos that specialize in um, certain things. It might be language, culture, or other education they have undergone. Like I said, make sure you engage with us. And if there's anything that you think would be important for us to ask the next Kramsos that we'll be interviewing, make sure that you drop us a message either in Spotify under the episode where you can also comment now on Instagram where you can reach us under Dan Parenting Podcast and with that I'll leave you to it I want to see lots of subscribers and likes and shares and then bye bye